and shame. Later on, when things work out, she says, God has taken away my, my disgrace. So it was the sense of being unfruitful, the sense of having a barren life. And what was happening was that they were also uh, getting old in years. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And it says here in verse 7, and they were both advanced in years. Yeah, they were advanced in years and they were running out of time. You can imagine what the life was like for them because they had not much prospects left. There was no biological reason to believe that things are going to be uh, resolved. There was no child on the way and what they faced in their advent, so to speak, was an impossibility. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So a whole different scenario of the future is being painted for this old man. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the dis disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so that to make a people that is ready and prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And we'll stop here for a little bit, because let's have a look at this. You have time moving on, and he has very little time left. right? And he faces an in, in, in impossibility. I don't know how to describe, so that we can all appreciate, the sense of despair and the sense of disappointment at life that Zechariah and Elizabeth was experiencing. Later on in other verses, Elizabeth talks about her disgrace. The sense of impossibility to break out of barrenness, to break out of unfruitfulness. The idea was that the summation of Zechariah's and Elizabeth's life was this. They were righteous people, they did their job, they did their duty, but life was a real disappointment at the end. There did not seem to be any possibility of any change taking place. I'm really glad for Catherine's sharing because she talked about how in real time God actually entered in. She talked a little bit about getting older. She talked a little bit about how time moves and it marches in such a way that opportunity begins, the door of opportunity gets smaller and smaller, the window gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it becomes like nothing. And Zechariah and, and Elizabeth were at that point where what they had to look forward to was just fading out. That was it. There was nothing left. It is into this 
scenario that we look at Advent. Advent is, in some ways, the summation of all our darkness, all our disappointment, all our fears. In fact, in the three um, encounters that the angels had with, uh, well, well, it was Zechariah, it was Mary, and it was with the shepherds, the first thing that the angels would say to them is, fear not, fear not, fear not. Now, I can understand that they were fearful because the angel looked pretty imposing. But a lot of times, angels don't actually come in the form of this huge 12-foot monster. <laughs> the, angels actually, the angel actually that came into Mary's house, which was a, probably a very small house, could actually fit in. So probably the angel came in the form of like a human being, a messenger, because the word angel really means messenger. But who knows, whatever it is. But the reason why the angel said fear not was not because he looked really imposing, because of that they were afraid of his look and his awesomeness, but it was because of the fact that he would say, fear not, because you have found favor. He said that to Mary, fear not, you've got favor. Don't be afraid that you are not, you've been forgotten by God. Fear not to Zacharias because your prayers have been answered. He gets under, the, gets under the fear and he speaks into that. He speaks to the, the, the shepherds and says, Fear not, for unto you in this, this, in this city is born to you a saviour of the world. Born into your terrible situation. The shepherds were considered hirelings they they would not be the owners of the sheep they would be the ones who uh, had a very bad reputation the 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 historian josephus says these shepherds who are who are in the who who are, who are welcoming jesus according to the story he says he was not himself a christian he says they were hirelings they did not own the sheep they had a very bad reputation in fact when they came and gave the news it's very interesting that god gave gave it to the shepherds these shepherds of low reputation to give the news of, of, uh, of the angel's message, that how God would actually give them a chance. Isn't that amazing? But you've got you to understand that there's, a, there's a, a, an era of fear, an atmosphere of fear, an atmosphere of great anxiety that was going on in Bethlehem at that time. Bethlehem was a small city, a very small village. Uh, Micah says, Bethlehem, who's too small to be counted among the clans, Completely insignificant. It is into these situations, it's just the situations of disappointment, of fear, into situations of darkness, situations of gloom, that we celebrate Advent. In many ways, Zachariah and Elizabeth were, were, were walking through their Advent before Christmas. And I wonder whether there are to those of us who are here, who are saying, well, actually, I'm not that excited about Christmas. I, was, I used to be excited about Christmas, but with every year, things got worse and worse and worse and worse. I'm having less and less to look forward to. And so let's have a look at this Advent story in which Zechariah had come to a place in which he had no prospects. I don't know how you are feeling about the year ahead. But I sense, every time I speak to many people, I sense a sense of tiredness, a certain apprehension about what's to come. Anyway, let's have a look at this. They were both advanced in years. 
first thing we see in Advent is God breaks into time. He broke into time for as Zechariah and for Elizabeth. He broke into time and held the clock. He stops the clock. Isn't that amazing? He stops the clock and so he comes to Zechariah and he says, Fear not. Stop. Clock stop. You're not fading off. You're not winding down. The clock of time, the march of time stops here in the presence of God. And he tells Zechariah, I'm the one who stands in the presence of God. I'm telling you this. Zechariah just can't get his mind around it. He just can't unlock himself from the impossible situation, from the logic of his situation. He just can't. He can't unlock himself from the logic of his circumstance. He just can't do that. And the angel says, look, you've got to understand a new dimension has come. I stand in the presence of God. The presence of God has broken into your time. And your time is now being stopped. You're not excited? Think of all the time you wasted or has been wasted on you. Or has been, has been wasted in your life. The angel comes and says, stop. You're going to have a son. What? You can actually, God, you can actually break in to my time. And this is the first thing we see about Advent, is that God, in the midst of darkness, brings spots of light and stops the time for us. Isn't that amazing? But He actually speaks words, and these words break into the locked-in time that Zechariah says. And I'd like, to, like us to have a look at it. Zechariah was troubled, okay, when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him, verse 12. Verse 13, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will give his name John. Now that would have been more plausible if Zacharias was 40 years old, even 50 years old. But Zacharias was well advanced in age, not just advanced in age, but well advanced in age. Verse 14, you shall have joy and gladness. So he's saying... This is what your future is going to be like. You're marching towards your future. You don't have much prospects. But the future has joy and gladness that awaits you. Wow. What is your future awaiting? With Zechariah, at the end of his rope, he's saying, joy and gladness. Joy and gladness. Only because a God can actually break in. Only because a God of the impossible can actually come in. What say you? It's not Christmas yet. It's still Advent. It's not Christmas. It's still darkness. But a spot of light is happening and that spot of light holds still, holds steady in the midst of the darkness. It's not overcome by the darkness. Isn't that amazing? And he, saw, and he says, I give you, there's going to be joy and gladness waiting for you. Zechariah is racking his head. He can't understand what he's talking about. How is it even possible? How can I unlock myself from my situation? How can it be that in the years to come, I'll have joy and gladness? Huh? Now, and this is the wonder of Advent, okay? If you don't have Advent, you cannot have Christmas. Advent is the where the real work that happens. In Advent, the, the angel said, 
you are going to receive this word and this word like a seed like a like a spot of light a seed of light is going to brighten your darkness this is it you are going to have joy and gladness now joy i understand gladness is a whole different thing joy is independent of my circumstances what say you you can be suffering but you can have joy christians say that all the time right christians say oh you're going to have joy independent of circumstances of course we say it would be nice if my circumstances can change it'd be nice if i don't just have to have a good attitude about everything and be a good sport about all things right it would be nice if uh, i can have a little bit more than joy i i remember t- talking to my kids all the time when they were young and it says you can have joy and it says how about happiness Happiness has to do with happenstance, I, say, I suppose. Happiness is very much connected to the feeling, right? A feeling that happens. It's up and down. It's, uh, it's not based upon anything. Joy has to do with the fact that the, the Lord, as we have surrendered our life to Him, God puts a certain resolution in us, and He puts His Spirit within us, so that whatever the circumstance, we cannot be overcome by those circumstances. Joy is transcircumstantial. Amen? I want joy. I want joy more than happiness. But then there's gladness as well. You know what's gladness? Gladness is when something really big happens. Something really significant happens that changes everything. What say you? I'm glad you came. Because you, you coming changes everything. You're waiting for someone and that person doesn't seem to be coming and he comes late and with a sigh of relief he said i'm glad you came that's not just happy i'm not just happy you came i'm glad because a circumstance took place that is so significant so so real not just subjective but something so objectively real that everything changes from that I am glad for, for, for Catherine because something really happened. She did not just have a good attitude. Her prayer and, her, and, her, and, her, and the time with the Lord caused her to be able to be independent of circumstances. Not locked in to a certain unhappiness. Right? That's joy. But the circumstance changed. And the circumstance changed, not just as a happenstance, but it happened in such a way that everything changed because of that. Yeah? 1989, near Christmas, I met with a very serious accident. It was 12 o'clock at night, I was driving the car alone, and I fell asleep on the wheel, and my car whacked into a stationary crane. My face was completely torn apart. I broke my femur. It was just a mess. I've shared this story, so I won't go too, too much into that. And it was at that time that I heard a voice. I believe it was the voice of the devil. Whatever it is, it wasn't nice. <laughs> it says, so you say 
your life will never be the same again. See, because that morning was the Sunday morning. I had preached in the church and I had this phrase, your life will never be the same again. Your life will never be the same again. I thought God was speaking this to me to tell the church. I did not know that my life would never be the same again. And I felt this whinging kind of, kind of kneeling kind of voice say, so you say your life will never be the same again. <laughs> your life will never be the same again. And I realized that I could not see. I touched my face. I could not feel my face. So it's not as if there was a lot of pain. It's just completely numb. They wheeled me into ICU. And when they wheeled me into ICU, the, doc- the doctors were shocked, horrified. Nurses just kind of, oh, they were just screaming. And the doctor said, you will never be able to see again. But I had settled that issue in the car when I was, the car was crumpled as a wreck around me. And I thought, okay, I'm, Lord, if this is something that is going to change my life and I'm never ever going to see again, I'm going to learn Braille. I'm going to learn Braille. And I, and I had this voice that was speaking to me in, the, in, the, in, 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 the, in my heart, not, an, uh, not a very... Not, not an audible voice, but something that was about as real as that, or even more real, is that, don't worry, I will take you through, and you will see my glory. That's all. And I believed it. I believed it. I believed it. And I, I was settled in my heart, somehow. I was afraid, but at the same time, I had a certain peace. I was settled. I had joy. Okay, I'm going to learn Braille. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Somehow, they wheeled me in, stitched me up. I had about 32 stitches. And then later on, 132 stitches after uh, plastic surgery. They were able to, 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 to fix my, my femur and uh, fix my face and, and all that. It looked horrible. Um, they cut up my, my, gla- my, my pants. I just thought, that's a really nice pair of pants. Somebody bought it for me. My dad took me to the tailor and, and had that made. I felt, do you really have to, to cut it up? Somehow there was a, little, there was a bit of joy there. And then when the doctor said, you're never going to see again, I said, it's going to be okay. I sent word to my church, my family, to pray for me. And they prayed. And someone sent a word to me. I told them, I am blind. My both eyes have been smashed. And someone sent a word to me and said, you're going to be okay. You're going to be healed. They covered my, my eyes with a bandage. And it was physically and spiritually one of the darkest times. I felt as if the devil was just next to me. If it wasn't the devil, at least it was tremendous apprehension of the future. But in the midst of that, I was having my advent. Spots of light were coming in which, in the midst of this, a word was being said, spoken to me. It's going to be okay. You'll see my glory. And as I prayed, I surrendered it to the Lord, my eyesight, whatever, what I was going to do in the future. 
And after a long while, I had the sense that God was going to heal me. They took off the bandages after a few days. So I'm fast forwarding to a few days later. And when they took off the bandages, my goodness, I could see. I told the doctor, I can see. The doctor told me, no, you cannot see. You cannot see. I know it because I know you. I'm a doctor. <laughs> you cannot see. I said, I can see. And I proved it to her. She, she, she gave me the, the, the four fingers and, and I was able to count every one of them. <laughs> Gladness happened. You see, before that, it was joy. Gladness happens when something so significant takes place that it changes everything. From that time onwards, I was never the same again. Because I knew that my life was given back to me and it did not belong to me anymore. I was now a bond servant of Jesus. And I was not unhappy about it. I was completely glad that he had given me back my life and I gave my life back to him. Amen? When, 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 the, when the angel says, you will have joy and gladness, he's not saying, you're going to have a good attitude so you'll have peace. He's saying, something significant is about to happen that's going to give you gladness because it will change everything. God does not just give us joy because so that we have a good attitude, but He gives us gladness. Alright? Happiness? I don't know about that. I have it. But he spoke about joy and gladness. So let's, let's see it. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. He was talking about the fact that in this path that Zechariah and Elizabeth was going on, there was, that seemed to be ending in just a complete fizzle out and complete disappointment. A complete non, non-happening of all their dreams for a child. All that would actually be met with somehow a gladness. May I suggest to you that when we give our lives to Jesus during this Advent time, we don't know what's going to happen. I was healed, but I know many people who were not. But gladness has to do with the fact that when we surrender our life to Christ, He will make things happen in the external world, in the physical, real world, that will change everything. Amen? So Mary is also met with an angel and the angel comes to Mary and immediately the angel has to say the same thing because there's a certain perhaps anxiety around Bethlehem. And we are here still in chapter, chapter 1. And the angel comes to her in verse 28, 28, and coming in, coming into the house, so the angel must have been able to either crunch very, very small, or he came in the form of perhaps a human. And coming into the house, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was very perplexed at this statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, there you go. Do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. I think one of the fear, biggest fears we have is that we don't have favor with God. So you. Advent is the time in which God comes in and He comes under our fears. 
these prevailing things that give us a sense of anxiety, a sense of fearfulness about the future. It makes us jumpy. Have you noticed that in the past few years? The phone rings or the buzzer rings and you a bit more jumpy. Someone says, I need to talk to you about something and it makes you nervous. You face an anxiety because of this, things that are beyond your control. And uh, there's more fear. Advent took place when Bethlehem was on edge. Bethlehem was a, a very oppressed place. It wasn't the happiest place on earth. And it's into this that the angel came. In verse 30, he said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign forever over the house of Jacob. Verse 34, Mary says to the angel, How can this be? Since I'm a virgin, and the angel said, answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative, your cousin actually, Elizabeth, has also conceived a son in her old age, and she, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I shared with you last, last Sunday that actually a, a more literal translation is no word of God is devoid of power. Before you experience Christmas where things actually happen, you have Advent in which the little life-changing thing happens before Christmas where God gives us His word. He gives us His word and He gives us an opportunity to eat it. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Bethlehem, yeah? The house of bread. And there's something about Bethlehem in which God gives us something to eat on, to chew on. And I wonder whether that is the prelude to God changing everything. He gives us His word. I put it to you that actually when the angel was speaking to Mary and he says, when Mary says, how? How can this impossibility take place? He says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power of God will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God will overshadow you. That's basically what the angel said. Do you want to be overshadowed by God? We live in a society that wants to overshadow everybody else. Everybody's in competition with us. So it's all about who will overshadow the other. Cast my shadow upon the next person. But the Lord says, the Holy Spirit, for impossible things, must overshadow you. And, Mary, and Mary's answer was this. Let, I'm the one servant of the Lord. Her idea was not to make it happen try to strive to make that word happen, but to say, I surrender to it. I'm not trying to overshadow anybody. 
you overshadow me, Lord. And what God wants to do is to overshadow us so that the sweat of our own shadowing of others will not take over. And so the Lord overshadows Mary. I believe that this is the time for miracles. But the way miracles happen is not by us hoping against hope. Hoping that somehow by just speaking as Christmas and being a happy person, things will happen. No, it doesn't. We know it enough. We've experienced enough to know that that doesn't work. But there is something of the substance of what God is wanting to do that will change our life, that will change everything. That has to do with Him giving us His word. And when we say, yes, Lord, I surrender myself to you. And when that happens, I can expect ahead of me joy and gladness. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm expecting that from you. Amen? It's in this place that the, the angel... I'm looking at the clock. Can somebody tell me, is it really 1224? 11.24. Thank God. I guess God broke in. <laughs> um, sorry. And it was in this... It was in this place that God actually comes to, to, to Mary in the form of the angel and says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. I think we are in a need in our culture of being overshadowed by God. We need that. And, and Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that amazing? That the angel said, no word of God is devoid of power. That that word of God can make it happen, make itself happen. You just have to receive it. You just have to receive it and surrender to it. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to see it as a as a as a as an instruction to strive to make happen. But you have to just give it over to Him. Amen. I was just talking to. I'm going to finish. I was just talking to. Um, actually, I was just listening to a message from someone who I've known for many years. Uh, his name is Norman Meaton, an Englishman who was a missionary and a preacher in um, northern parts of India. And he, saw, and he spoke about a, 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 a place that he was going back to. He's now in his 80s. And he's going back to this hospital in Nepal. And he said this hospital is special. Nepal is one of the poorest countries in the world. And he said... Years ago, when the missionaries in the northern part of Nepal felt that God wanted them to start a hospital, there was no money. They invited him to be the chairman of the board of trustees. And he said to them, I will, if you only understand one thing, I do not raise money. I do not raise funds. The way God has dealt with me is that I never even tell my needs to, to anybody. And it's going to be a faith mission. And those guys said, okay, just be our leader. <laughs> so, so he said, during that period, no funds were raised. No letters were sent. We just prayed. And he said in this message that I... I just listened to, he says, I'm going back to that, to Nepal, 
we have a hundred million pound hospital there. How he does, God does it, we don't know. But when the Lord overshadows us, he does things. I believe Advent is the time for us. Not to celebrate necessarily. You can hold your celebration to 25th, okay? Hold it. We live in a society that's want to celebrate all the time. But there's not much basis for that. But Advent is a time in which we say, I want to engage in the substance of what it is I'm going to be celebrating. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your great grace upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you entered into our darkness. We thank you that you entered into our darkness and took upon our burdens, our sin, our mistakes, our brokenness, and carried it upon yourself. We don't know how that happens, what a mystery. Even the language of that stumps us. But if it is true that in this time of our life, in the midst of our Bethlehem, our darkness, you were there for us, we say, come Lord Jesus, take over our lives. We give you all our sin. We give you all our mistakes. We give you all our shame, our disgrace our locked-in situations that nothing we can do would get us out of. And we invite you to come in, the God of the impossible, who says that no word of yours is devoid of power. Come in, Lord. Come into my life. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. As all eyes are closed, all heads are bowed. If you feel that God has been speaking to you, and... Uh, you really want to make an, uh, a response to God, just lift up your hands and say, you can lift up both hands, lift up your hands or lift up one hand, whatever it is, all eyes will be closed, all heads about. And say, Lord, I want you to come in. Feel free to do that. Just indicate, yes, I see your hand. Yes, anyone else? Yes. Yes. Anybody else? They're saying yes. Yes. Anyone else? You said yes, I want you to come and overshadow me come and take upon yourself all my sins all my griefs all my regrets all my time I can't hold on to it myself I can't fix myself only you can and so I give you my life I'm your bond servant do whatever you like with it because I can't ensure that joy and gladness is ahead of me. Only you can. And so I give my life to you. Anyone else? I'm saying yes. I feel that I want to give my life to, to Jesus. Go ahead and lift your hand up. Anyone else? I see, I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to pray a prayer that will, if you identify with, you can say amen to Lord Jesus. I've come to an end of myself and I realize that myself cannot take me to the future. Only you can. 
You're the only assurance that joy and gladness, things working out well, can happen. I thank you, Lord, that you entered into our dark, 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 hopeless situation. I ask you that you enter in for me. Come, oh come, Emmanuel. Come into my Bethlehem. Come into my sorry state. Come into my hopes, my fears, my aspirations, even my aberrations. I give you my life. Come and overshadow me. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life. In Jesus' name, Amen.